to another episode of Boom Lawyered, a Rewire Radio podcast hosted by the legal journalism team who would never launder money through multiple shell corporations in order to rig an election and then lie to the FBI about it. I'm Imani Gandhi. And I'm Jess Piclo. Rewire.news is dedicated to bringing you listeners the best reproductive rights and social justice commentary, analysis, and news on the web. And this team legal podcast is part of that mission. First, a big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners. Sit back, enjoy our legal nerdery, and please, if you haven't already, subscribe and leave us a review. We love to read the five-star ones on air. We really do. This episode, we are talking about the Trump administration's attacks on transgender people. After a disastrous confirmation hearing, which heard a lot of talk about bears and guns in schools for some inexplicable reason, Betsy DeVos oozed her way into Trump's cabinet as his secretary of education. Almost immediately, she tried to roll back legal protections in Title IX, attacking trans kids' right to have equal access to facilities at schools that align with their gender bathrooms, locker rooms, and such. Conservative state legislatures have been ramping up their quote-unquote bathroom bills, which are merely bathroom discrimination bills, which mandate that transgender people use bathrooms that match their biological sex rather than their gender identity. And there's no sign that these conservatives are relenting. They're actually and literally the potty police. Sincerely. I mean, let's, I, we can't even get into how they would actually enforce that. Meanwhile, conservatives are trying to get religious exemptions from even having to provide transgender patients medical care, for example, on the basis that their religious beliefs don't even recognize that people can be transgender or gender nonconforming. In other words, they are saying out loud and in public that their religious beliefs do not recognize transgender and gender nonconforming people as actual, real, live human beings. They are just terrible. But our guests on this episode are not, and they talk with us about their experiences being transgender and parenting a transgender child in the Trump years. We are very excited about today's episode because we have two very special guests. Ali Sheedy is an actor, a teacher, and an all-around amazing woman. You probably remember her <laughs> from such awesome movies as The Breakfast Club. And if you're a fan of Psych, which is one of my favorite shows, she does an amazing guest spot on that show as well. Her son Beckett is a student and a Title IX activist, and he's also transgender. And we are very, very excited to have them here today to talk to us. And we want to say thank you for joining us today. Thank you. We're thrilled yeah, to be thank here. Thank you I'm so much. for you, Beckett. We're thrilled. Oh, that's totally fine. <laughs> Absolutely. No, very happy to be here. Um, so well. first we wanted to start off um, by asking Beckett, um, we know that you prefer he and him pronouns because I read your Tumblr mm -hmm. um, and your Tumblr's mm -hmm. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. But I wanted to ask you why it's important for people to ask that question of transgender people at the outset and why it's so important for transgender people to be able to claim their own pronouns. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I kind of, I definitely see the, um, I guess like I kind of see it as like kind of a more like a pronoun awareness kind of movement that's happening right now is that it's very, you know, it's very important um, for trans people and also gender nonconforming and um, gender queer people to, to be able to proclaim their own pronouns just because pronouns have a lot to do with, you know, how people are viewed in society by the world. Like you have, you know, if you're not in the room and you're introduced as he, people are going to have like a certain you know expectation or something like that. And so um, a lot of the times pronouns are linked very, very closely to, you know, how um, a person is or wants to be viewed or portrayed in the world. And also just 
you know, they have a lot of social connotations, you know, as I just said, that goes with them as if, you know, if somebody's not in the room and they're introduced as he, somebody who hears that is going to have a very specific view about what that person is and who they are. So, you know, it's, it gets a little bit dicey, like when people are not able to kind of self-proclaim like how they would like to be introduced, be it um, for being um, self-identified or, you know, having people kind of like, you know, help like proclaim their identity. And also just in general, like it's kind of nice to be able to, you know, have a word that refers to you and kind of states a claim about how you kind of see yourself and may, you know, self-identify. And then kind of in general, pronouns are something that people, you know, usually just kind of take for granted. Like you kind of figure you never really think about it if the baby's born and, you know, there are boys, then there's no question about like, well, how are we going to refer to the child? Um, so it's really, really nice to, for one thing, kind of be able to, you know, have that power to proclaim how you're identified and, you know, how other people are going to see you and identify you. Um, but then also it's nice to start talking about how, you know, you actually cannot just look at somebody and assume what their pronoun is. So kind of at large, how, um, the issue of pronouns is kind of going right now is, you know, instead of just having people who are trans only proclaiming like what their pronouns are, um, you know, like either like just like, for example, like in a college setting, a lot of the times in my undergrad, it was only the trans people in the room that would say my pronouns are he, him, his, she, her, hers, they, them, theirs, et cetera. But now what's happening is that professors and kind of at large cross campuses and also just in schools and just in different organizations and meetings, just people at large are just being encouraged to proclaim their pronouns just to kind of show the variation, kind of make it not as obvious or, you know, not make trans people feel like they have to be the one that are singled out where right. somebody could be. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's really, uh, I really like <laughs> yeah. the term pronoun awareness. I think that's a really yeah. great term. And I also really like the fact that you said that um, more people should claim their pronouns, cisgender people mm-hmm. as well, not just trans people, mm-hmm. because that was one of the questions that I had you know, I see a lot of people who sign off their emails, for example, with their preferred mm-hmm. pronouns. And these are people that I know are cisgender. So in my mind, I was thinking, well, is that something that is that an appropriation of some way or is that a way mm-hmm. to support mm-hmm. trans people? So now I know I think I might add my pronouns to my email. Signature. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, I think it's like a really nice way to um, I mean, for one thing, kind of let people know for one, like, let, like, you're, you know, just general awareness of like, this is something that like, you know, you have power, you know, this is I'm I'm telling you that this is how I would like to be referred to in the third person um, when I'm not referring to myself. Um, and then also it's just nice because it, again, you know, makes it really nice for transgender nonconforming and genderqueer people to not be the only ones who are proclaiming their pronouns and then kind of, you know, making it be like, okay, well, if you're, if you proclaim your, your pronouns are, then you're trans. Um, so kind of more like normalizes it, I guess. I really appreciate the normalizing point, too, Mm -hmm. because as we've seen in litigation around transgender rights, the right has made it a point to misgender plaintiffs. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a very intentional strategy to dehumanize and try to normalize the idea that gender nonconforming people, that gender nonconforming behavior and that transgender people in particular are, quote unquote, not normal. Right. That they Mm -hmm. are somehow different. And I mean, we see them make those specific arguments that, you know, um, sex and gender are are um, basically the same and, and that mm-hmm. your biological sex determines completely who you are. And so mm-hmm. the framing, I think, is very helpful um, and important for our listeners as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and like exactly like the exactly like what you touched on is like this specific point of having it be like something you have absolutely no control over and kind of like, you know, no matter how you feel, no matter how you um, want to express yourself, no matter how you'd like to be in the world, um, you know, something you had absolutely no control over is actually instead going to dictate your entire existence. And that's kind of exactly, you know, like kind of one of the main points is like pronouns, you know, it's a very small it's like a very, very small, uh, I feel like it's, a, you know, it's a very small favor to ask to kind of like be able to proclaim what you would like to be referred to as. And so, yeah, no, the, you know, the incessant kind of need to not respect that from um, a lot of like right wing and um, kind of more conservative people in general. Yeah, not, yeah, it's not not really like a great stance to have. Right. But. I mean, I even see that sort of playing out in in sort of culture generally when you think of yeah. like, if you're going to, you know, if cis men are going to disrespect each other in certain areas, um, then, you know, they'll say something like, stop being such a pussy, right? So exactly. like, what's the yeah, connotation completely. here? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no, it's just kind of, I mean, that kind of, you know, stretches on to a, to a whole other branch, which is, you know, then like the differences between how, um, uh, trans masculine people and trans feminine people are kind of viewed in the world where, you know, at large, there's, of course, like discrimination against trans people, gender nonconforming and gender queer people at large. Um, but then like when you get down to specifics, like, yeah, the more, more insults are geared towards femininity or like proclaimed femininity or, you know, anything kind of on the femme spectrum. Um, so yeah, it's like even, you know, you can kind of think about, you can think, you can think of more insults that are kind of more geared towards men being, um, you know, deprecated as female or as more, you know, womenly or girlish. So yeah, no, it definitely kind of plays into it where, you know, a lot of the time where, you know, trans women are, you know, trans women of color are by far the most marginalized and like discriminated against group of people. And they, you know, in media incessantly, you know, victimize the abuser of those women because, you know, they did not, you know, because the woman was playing themselves as a trans woman and like, you know, living as a woman and didn't like, you know, let the person know that they were trans. So it kind of then like the whole media and everything, you know, kind of places the victim on the actual abuser and, um, you know, murder of the woman. Um, yeah, 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 it kind of like it leads into a whole other conversation, really, um, just from like, you know, just like the disrespect of like, you know, just in the media of just whenever you, you know, if you talk about, you know, like, like Ash Whitaker um, or any kind of case right now that's in the media, just like referring to the person as a pronoun that they're not self-proclaiming as their own basically almost undermines the entire basis of that person's argument. So, Allie, as a parent, what was your thought process? You hear how brilliant my kid is? My kid is <laughs> yeah, your kid is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I mean, my kid should be pleading the court cases. He should be he should be a lawyer. I, Actually, no, Rebecca, you, look, you, you always try to discourage people from going to law school, but if anyone sounds like yeah. they should go to law school, it's Beckett, for sure. <laughs> I would support this statement, for sure. I definitely support yeah. this. <laughs> um, but just as a, as a yeah, parent... When when Beck came out or told you that he was trans, did you have any sort of reaction? I mean, were you like, okay, great, my kid is trans now. What can I do to help? Or did, did you have any stronger feelings? I guess I would just want to know how, how you felt about it and maybe something that you share might be able to help any parents out there who might be trying to figure out how to respond or how to help their trans kid. Well, at first, I was scared about being left behind in the entire uh, road here on the road, because Beck, look, and I still, this is years now, and I still sometimes, er, I make a mistake and start going Reb instead of Beck. I just, mm-hmm. 
it's not out of um, any kind of a, a judgment on, on back. It's just, it's guess it, it takes a certain amount of practice, especially if you're the parent mm-hmm. to change the name and to, I I'm really good with the pronoun, but sometimes the name, because the name doesn't have much, much attachment to me, except that it's, it's the name that I knew it doesn't, the name isn't female or male to me. So sometimes I, I make a mistake with Reb and with Beck, mm-hmm. but when Beck told me and I, I was away working and he said um, that he found a clinic and he wanted to start taking hormones. And I was really, really scared. I just thought, well, first of all, I know nothing about this. I, I don't know about hormones. I don't know what they do. I don't know what's going on. And Beck was adamant that he really needed to start the hormones and get this process. He had been identifying as gender queer and gender fluid. And now he was saying, he really feels that he identifies with being male and that the hormones were going to help him on his journey. And I just got, I, I, I didn't have a judgment call on, on Beck himself. I was just afraid. Of, I was really afraid of the whole process. So mm-hmm. I needed two things. I needed him to educate me in a very patient, loving way. He <laughs> did not feel like I was making judgments just because I didn't understand. Um, and also I needed to understand, I had to educate myself about what the hell the hormones were and what was going to happen. And also the, the first clinic I have to say that we went to, they were, I think they were assuming that if a parent comes in and I was very emotional, granted, I went in to see the uh, social worker and Beck had to sign or sign a piece of paper saying, it's okay for me to speak to that person. We were there together and I went in. And I was really upset and saying, I'm, I'm confused and I don't get it. And I, this and I, that, and they were not, the woman I was speaking to was not open to my side of things. She was just saying, um, we're not here to serve you. We're only here to serve Beck. And then for various reasons, that clinic also flipped me out a little bit. I just thought this is not, I think we can do it better. So I made a phone call um, to friends that I knew because I'd done work with the Ali Forney center and got an in at <laughs> Callan Lord, which is an amazing place here in New York. And they were great. We went down and Beck seemed happy there and liked his doctor. And I felt like, I, all right, I trust these people to dispense hormones, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> but I did get a chance to speak to somebody who was a trans man, right? Beck, wasn't it? Um, he yes, was female to male, female to male. Yeah. Remember? And yeah. then no, yeah, he yeah. was, wait, what was his name? Finn. Mm-hmm. Finn, right? So mm-hmm. Finn yeah. was great and sat down and just sat there and I was like crying through my God, is my kid going to change? I don't understand what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. But listened really carefully. Didn't make me feel like I was critical or, or a problem or anything else. And that was the first thing that was really helpful to me because I needed a third party that was knowledgeable mm-hmm. to go through this with me. And then after that, um, I, w- I just love Beck. So I wanted to support, I've always wanted to support Beck on whatever the particular journey is. And the hormones have not been scary. Although some of the changes I think happen really fast only because I don't see Beck for weeks at a time because he's up, you know, in school or working or whatever. But I also needed a crash course education <laughs> <laughs> on all of the terms, on all of the issues, on everything that was going on, because up at, at Bard College, where Beck went, 
they're really, really, as far as I'm concerned, really progressive and really proactive. And I think that comes from the students more than it does from the faculty. So there were, there was all sorts of, um, of ways of speaking and ways of understanding the world and ways of understanding gender that were brand new to me. And I needed to educate myself, quite frankly. So that's pretty much the answer to your question was no, I didn't feel, <laughs> I didn't have any um, feeling of, I reject my child or how could you do this to me or blah, blah, blah. I had fear of, of what I didn't know or understand. It makes absolute sense because I think that when it comes to people who are progressive and especially parents who are progressive who want to support their kid in whatever they do, whether it's a, a, a trans journey or coming out as lesbian, gay or bi or, you know, deciding to go to law school instead of become a music- musician, which is what I did. <laughs> right. You know? right. Like obviously, that's not nearly on the same level. But I just think that for whatever it seems to me that whatever choice your child makes, it's a matter of trying to understand that choice and support them if you're a good parent, which you obviously are, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to judgment or criticism. But it seems to me yeah. that just the public at large probably expects judgment and criticism from the parents of trans kids. So it's nice to hear that there was none of that at the outset. But what there was is that there was fear and confusion about what fear. was going on. And fear, seems, fear, fear. Yeah. And that and that seems like that seems like it would be normal because it's something that you hadn't dealt with before and it's a new experience. And and it's nice that you found people that were that were there to talk to you about it, but also that there were people who understood that the, the, that the, the journey was Bex to make, right? And you were sort of it's there Bex to... to make, that's right. And the, and the other thing is, I think, the fear around this issue leads those people, specifically, I, I can speak as a parent, leads you to think if you're, for me, if I'm afraid about this, then I therefore must be correct. There must be a problem. I'm not seeing my kid's journey reflected in broader society, so I don't understand it. I'm afraid of all the repercussions and what does this mean? And it's, it, it, I, I, I recognized and identified my state as being one of fear. And that was what I needed to address rather than, you know, I am the parent who is all knowing and I know which is best for you. And, right. you know, I have my own criticisms and my own preconceived issues, notions that has to go by that for me had to go right by the wayside. And I had to admit first to myself that I knew absolutely nothing about what I was talking about. Like nothing. I have two kids myself. And the idea that, you know, you just say, I don't know what the hell I'm doing um, is not the default setting that happens when you have a kid, especially from sort of societal ways. Right. It's like, well, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. Like there's baby books. There's an library that tells me what to do. We know if there's if the kid is sick, they they might need to go to the doctor and get an antibiotic. I know that you need to perform certain tasks if you wish to get into college. I know. You know, there's the basic parenting things that, you know, you get to know your kid, but that kind of thing. But this whole other field, it just, I was completely ignorant, which leads to fear and projection. I think of, oh my God, what could go wrong here, there, and the other place. And I still struggle with that. Beck is doing a, a barred prison initiative and tutoring in, uh, it's inmates, right, Beck? Uh, yeah, I call, I've incarcerated people, but my students. Yeah. Incar- sorry. See? Yeah. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> the wrong term, incarcerated people. But it, I, I'm anxious because because Beck is male now. Beck is in there with men, and I just I don't want to say anything. And I keep thinking, okay, Bard must know what they're doing. But you know, still, 
I'm worried. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Couldn't they have him in with 16 year old girls that are somehow in there? You know, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's what I mean. I'm glad you find that funny. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's a constant, it's a constant journey. I think that that's, um, you know, really, I appreciate the honesty and the humanizing of that because, you know, um, good intentions can go awry. And I think that in the parenting context, that can happen here. Um, so, Beck, you've yep. been real, you've been pretty public about your transition. I mean, you've shared your experience on your Tumblr and with viewers on mm-hmm. YouTube. And I'm curious mm-hmm. what made you decide to be so public about your journey? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, growing up, I I'm definitely part of the generation that, like, flew or not I'm not gonna say generation I'm definitely like I grew up with computers and like with internet access so I pretty quickly through that found you know live journal and uh myspace and like you know different platforms of social media where like you're suddenly like okay my friends are on here that I know but then also oh look there's all these other people that I don't know yet I see them on here. Um, and so, you know, it evolves like from MySpace and it goes to Facebook. Then I got a Tumblr and so, you know, not live journaling. Um, and then, you know, suddenly like, you know, I was, I was doing a lot of like online, uh, you know, there's like fan fiction and you just meet a lot of people kind of like do like art spaces on the internet. And like, suddenly I was like, okay, I'm like seeing a lot of people who are, you know, in the LGBTQ community. And that was kind of like ringing true for me. So I eventually like came out as, you know, by through knowing about that, the fact that that was a thing. Um, kind of through online spaces. So it's kind of, you know, I've seen people be public about it. I was influenced by people who are public about it. You know, finding out that I was queer, that I, you know, that, well, first that I was lesbian but, or bisexual, then it was, I was lesbian, then I was gay, and then I was queer, then I was genderqueer, then I was, yeah, then I was trans. And so it's just kind of continued and all of these different, you know, all my different identities that have kind of, you know, been going have all been um, very much influenced by the fact that I'm seeing people living these lives online um, and sharing their experiences online. And so when I first, you know, I've been, I had, I've had a Tumblr since like 20, uh, not 20, yeah, 2009 or so. So, you know, I've been on there basically through almost the entirety of my coming out experience. And so I've only, I've been seeing, you know, all these different blogs of people. And so that was kind of like, for me, that was like a, a space where, you can kind of also live this journey where you're living it in life, where you're kind of like going through life, not really knowing what the heck is happening, but then you can go back online and be like, okay, here's all these other people, you know, five months ago, you can go back in the tumble. Okay. This is where they were at this, at this stage in their transition or in their journey. And you can kind of like, you know, self-relate, you know, just have a lot more access to different people. Um, so, and then of course going to college, you know, meeting a lot of other people and kind of like seeing their own uh, online presences. I had quite a few friends that were like very popular on Tumblr and different social media spaces. So honestly, it was always kind of there. Um, And also it was just another way to really easily document my transition for myself, um, just with photographs instead of, you know, like having to actually like physically take photos and print them, you know, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the making a scrapbook, I could just make a scrapbook online really easily. So I was able to just, you know, every day I could take a photo and put it on there and kind of, you know, track this, track the progress of like when I actually was starting hormones. So it was kind of always there and kind of always a thing for me. And then especially so when, um, you know, early when I first started my transition blog, I'm not really too active. I don't really have, I've kind of steered away from Tumblr. I just don't have enough 
time for it anymore. But when I was on it, you know, I was a lot of messages I was getting was just kind of like, wow, you know, thank you for being active. Like, thank you for sharing your story. And then also, you know, I was very active, like on Facebook when I was coming out in terms of like the social media bubble of my college. So it's kind of just always been um, a thing that I do. Like in high school, I was very, uh, I was kind of, I was, I was, I, I was the head of the, of our GSA. I was, in the pride parades, I like went to the gay center in um, the city. I was like, all, I've just always been active and kind of doing things. And like social media was just another space to continue to do things, I guess. What, what does GSA so in other words, stand there's for? no shame in there. Do you know what I mean? No. Oh yeah. None. There's no, no, no feeling of that. This journey needs to be hidden for any reason. And I think that's, I think it's really courageous. I don't go on Instagram to check back as much as I, as I was, because there's a lot of pictures of Beck in his underwear, and I feel like I should, <laughs> you know, so. tracking the trans. But I think it's, I do, <laughs> I, 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 I do think it's, in, in, in the one hand, it's scary, so please only, you know, let friends that you know or people that you know look at your pictures. But at the same time, I, I think it's important to be able to be out and loud, you know, and this is what's happening, and this is part of the journey and this is going on with people rather than being trans or your process with it being the secret closeted, yeah. you know, kind of thing. But then again, of course, here we live in New York. And, um, yeah, and when it comes to discrimination, um, have you like, have you experienced discrimination back? Um, if so, how does that affected you? And has that, did that experience sort of compel you or impel you to become an activist in this area? <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, I would definitely say that like I have to face some discrimination, but by, you know, by far it's no, it's not even comparable to the, you know, to how a lot of people have, you know, to a lot of people have faced. Like I'm like extremely lucky. I've always had a support system. Like, no, I can't think of one time basically like throughout my entire like identity. And also, you know, before that, like it's, it's always been like something that's just been there. Um, so I've, I've never really like, I've never had any close person to me reject me in that way, which is very fortunate, but also kind of that also just helped my, you know, my helped me come out anyway. Like the fact that I was able to come out so strongly, I feel is like the fact that I knew that like I had like this like support system of like people that were not deterred by the idea of somebody being trans or queer or gay or any of it. Um, And which was, you know, very fortunate. Um, but um, yeah, so the, you know, the discrimination I have faced has been people either who don't understand and like, are asking questions, but that's not really, I don't really see that as discrimination. That's just somebody asking a question. Um, and then just kind of like people who just like don't really know how to react to me. So like before I was medically transitioning, I, you know, I had short, I had like shaggy hair and like I was wearing binders. So like I didn't have a chest, you know, I couldn't see my chest and I was like, you know, dressing. I've always dressed kind of in clothes from the guy section of of any store really um and so like there's been times where like you know in the women's room i've been grabbed by a by like a woman and been like what are you doing in here it's been like i'm going to the bathroom like i'm alive i'm in here for a i promise you i'm not encroaching um so there's been that you know there's been like online attacks but that's just like that's that's i mean everybody has access to everything online so that's just like whatever um there's been, you know, people who have just like said, like, I'm not going to respect when I, when I went by gender neutral pronouns or they, them, they're like, you know, there've been people who are like, I'm not going to use your pronouns because it's not grammatically correct. Um, so there's been like things like that, but I've been honestly like very fortunate um, in terms of like personal attacks. I definitely more so face discrimination kind of in the large 
area, but also I'm somebody who has always been pretty loud about being discriminated against. So like, if I ever feel like anything's happening where like, I'm not being taken seriously, like I will speak out. I'm like pretty forward with it. Like, you know, if somebody calls me on the phone and like asks if my birth name is, you know, is she here? I'm like, I'm, that's me. And I'm he actually, sorry. And like, we continue the conversation. So like, it's, you know, it's, I've, I've honestly, I'm not really, you know, but then also like that could be just the fact that I've never really had to deal with like a really like horrific event in terms of my identity. So it could be, you know, it could be anything from the fact that like, you know, I've just been kind of maybe in like, I don't want to say cushion, but you know, like I haven't really had the, you know, fight, you know, I, I wasn't rejected by any part of my family or friends. So it's definitely been like a difference. So that, and that definitely like built me up in like my ability to, if I ever am discriminated against kind of speak out against it. I just hope that nothing will happen in the workplace with this. Do you know what I mean? That's where I I worry about that a little bit. Yeah. I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about a job or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do work-wise in terms of title nine and and your job? Yeah. um, So right now I have a few jobs, but my one job is um, I'm the, one of the program educators for Bard's uh, office of gender equity, which includes kind of title nine office. And mostly what I do is, or kind of, I've, I only got hired in August, so it hasn't been um, too, uh, I, you know, I haven't been hired for too long, but basically what we've been doing is a lot of education uh, campus-wide about trans people and trans students, trans faculty, trans staff, um, and also gender queer, gender non-conforming people on campus. We were able to change our campus-wide policy to include, you know, coverage of discrimination based on gender identity or expression, which is really wonderful. Yeah, so if like a student is kind of continuously being misgendered on purpose with intent, with a kind of malicious intent, that is a violation of Title IX code. So that can be handled by our office now. You know, we, we uh, when I was a student there, I was the head of um, our trans group on campus and like we worked very, very hard with the queer group on campus and, you know, a lot of um, faculty and staff to get some gender neutral bathrooms installed in the campus center. Right now we're working, that's kind of a we're work in progress, really continuously kind of trying to update the campus and um, include gender-neutral bathrooms. We have, what else have we done? Um, the health center. Weren't you going to do something with the health center and not the way that oh, yeah. health people? Yeah, no, we have a, um, what did it, yeah, we had, we, we did a training um, with the health center on how to, how to, how to um, good conduct with trans patients or trans students um, in terms of like how to address them um, based on what you have, you, what you might have from their transcript, meaning their name and their legal sex and based on what they would like to be referred to as. Um, so we've been working to kind of uh, make it much more easy for students to change their name in the system so that they can actually, you know, on all the forms that are not legal documents, they can be referred to as their preferred name or not their preferred name. We're trying to move towards saying their chosen name. That's all really great to hear because I think sometimes Mm -hmm. it's easy to forget the details that go into transitioning. I think of states that still don't allow, for example, changes on birth certificates, which makes getting a correct ID difficult, which then impacts abilities to vote in states that have voter identification laws and the way that, that all of this has a ripple effect. And now we are trying to survive the Trump years. And I'm curious um, to hear from both of you if the change in administration has changed your activism or your everyday experience, Beckett, for you as a trans person and Allie, for you as as someone parenting a trans person and that protectiveness and and sort of fear that comes from that sense of protectiveness as a parent that you have. Well, I'll just answer quickly because my answer will be short. I am horrified uh, by 
the entire advent of Trump. I'm worried, like really worried. I, I don't think during during the Obama years, quote unquote, I would have been quite as scared about that going to the South. But now I'm dead serious about that because of all those, you know, because of everything that's going on with these people with the swastika showing up in schools. I mean, the whole thing, it's just like, it's sort of this dark, evil, angry, racist, misogynistic, transphobic force has been unleashed, it feels to me. So I'm anxious. Also, I've always been an activist, but, but because of back, I've been hyper aware of what the policies are going on in the federal government. When Loretta Lynch came out and said what she said to trans people, we see you, we hear you, we'll do everything we can to protect you. I cried. I saw that on television and thought, oh my God, my kid is going to be safe as far as legal protections are concerned. Now we have sessions and I don't understand exactly why he just recently went after that hate crime. I don't believe it's because he wants to protect trans people since they're rolling everything back. I'm not quite sure the thinking behind that, but that's what I'm looking for that all the time on the news and in the newspaper and wherever, whatever the changes are that are happening. Uh, as far as legal protections, especially what the justice department will or won't follow will or won't, um, pay attention to will or won't, you know, bring a case against, uh, hyper, hyper, hyper aware. And these judges that they're putting, I, just the whole thing is a nightmare, but I don't, I don't understand why Sessions went after, do you know what I'm talking about? He suddenly said that they were going to go after, um, the murder of a trans person as a hate crime. And I just don't trust that thing. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why they're doing that. Does it make sense? Oh, sure. I have cynical ideas about why he's doing that. I mean, one, okay. you know, they're sort of um, obligated uh, to an investigation doesn't mean anything other than people are showing up. So we'll see okay. what comes of it. Um, you know, I think maybe some of the immediate public backlash is, you know, PR <laughs> on this. Particular yeah, 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 case. yeah, 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 I agree. Scared. Very scared. Yeah. <laughs> I I guess I'm I mean it's like absolutely it's absolutely horrific um you know right now yeah it's it's like right now it's kind of like more more so than ever I mean trans people have never really been protected very much I mean yet they're you know now like they're doing even more rollbacks and now it's like even more so um I really shouldn't say that trans people haven't been protected because they haven't, but like, you know, like we're fighting for the fact, like we're fighting for non-discrimination policies. Like that's kind of like, that's very well where it's like, that's just like the fact that we're fighting to see whether or not it's okay to like discriminate against somebody based on their gender is like completely, you know, it's a little bit down to like, it's kind of bull crap. Um, so that's like, just like be pretty abhorrent. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying very hard to focus on local government right now. <laughs> I'm trying like very hard to kind of keep in mind the, you know, the horrible, absolutely the state of the country right now and how many you know lives are in peril right now because of the administration um but then also it's kind of like this is very much like a time that a lot of private companies things that aren't necessarily related to government are doing a lot of advocacy pro the lgbtq community so it's like a very it's a very weird time right now to kind of have like the overarching state of the country be this like monstrosity of hate against, you know, people of color and Muslims and trans people and gay people, you know, homophobia. It's just like, you know, it's all, it's just an onslaught of like of women of everything. Um, but then, you know, it's also like, there's a lot of like little small, nice, you know, things that are happening. Um, 
I'm like, I'm, you know, it's like, I, I very, very hard to find like the positivities, but it's kind of like, I'm very much of the kind of, you know, mindset. It's just kind of like you, you have, you have to find something like there has to be something that there's, it's not all like, you know, it's absolutely it's horrific and horrendous and it's like, you know, tearing families apart, but there had, there has to be a small victory somewhere. That's really inspiring to hear you say, because it can be really overwhelming trying to survive as a person of color, a woman, a oh, trans yeah. person, a gay person, or any of those intersections mm-hmm. in between. And yeah. and I think it is important for us to recognize that it's a terrible time for a lot of us, but there's also a lot yeah. of community building going on yeah. and new new activists that are that are jumping in and wanting to to understand various issues and figure out how to help. So in that yeah. vein, do you have any suggestions for our listeners about what they can do to support trans people, what they can do to get involved to ensure that we can make this country a safe place for trans people? Yeah, I mean, I think very much so focusing on the intersections of identities right now is crucial. So, you know, not only looking out for like how are the ways to help like you know, somebody who, like trans, like, yes, like definitely like, you know, you know, do what you can help with, you know, if like there's like local things that are happening in terms of like, you know, trans people trying to get health care or, you know, Planned Parenthood is like an amazing supporter. Trans people like obviously donating Planned Parenthood, things like that. But then, you know, also just like focusing very much on the intersections of identities and like kind of just general minority communities and the fact that like within each minority community, you know, there's people that still are part of that community that aren't being heard because of their cross identity with another minority community of some sort for whatever reason. So I think that like, you know, making sure to kind of like as hard as it might be, but like be a voice for trans people, um, even if you're not trans, um, being a voice for uh, people of color, even if, you know, especially so if you're white, my God, like educate other white people. That's your place. Like, please do that. (laughs) My God. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Like that's like, if, yeah, if you want to find a place for yourself and support, yeah, it's like go educate other. Yeah. Do that please. Cause we need that right now. Um, you know, and just, yeah. And just kind of that, like if you're, if you're not part of a minority community that, but you want to support that community, then, you know, educate people who are also not part of that community as to why they should also support that community or not be hateful to that community. At least that would be, you know, that's, that's a good start. Um, right. At a minimum, yeah. not be hateful. People. Yeah. Leave people to do whatever, you know, like, whatever like non-harmful practices they set for themselves it's like just let's just not just don't don't deal with it just ignore it yeah just just don't be an asshole (laughs) exactly yeah but don't be an asshole proposition yeah Yeah. it seems like the best and Allie for you like do you have any advice for for parents of trans kids about how to to deal with the fear that you experience or to deal with any sort of fearful or negative or feelings that that parents of trans kids may have or that you know, do you have any advice for our listeners just generally? Well, first of all, yeah, I'm trying to coin my own term. It's just don't mansplain. Okay. We understand that. Don't white explain. Right. We understand that. I feel like don't non-transplain. Right. Make my thing there. But I feel like if it's not your experience, please don't assume that you know what it should be for somebody else. You know, I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not trans. I'm not bi, I'm not gender fluid, I'm none of those things, but that doesn't mean I understand Beck's experience whatsoever. So I'm trying to have support and have empathy and self-educate. And it's the same thing. You know, you've seen this, right? It's the same thing with any group. There's one group that thinks that they know everyone (laughs) else's experience, even though they haven't lived it. 
It's you usually can. white guys. <laughs> yeah, it's usually white guys. It's usually white guys, for sure. <laughs> but you just, you know, you can't. And you do have to be careful, or we have to be careful about language and assumptions and checking yourself, um, all of that. I, I think the biggest thing with Beck has been to um, notice when the fear has stopped me in my tracks. Just say, how do I know... Yeah, pronouns are important because Beth just told me they are when it was first starting. I thought, what difference does it make? They, them, you're just you. Now I realize, no, actually, they are really, really important because I've never had to have any issues with my pronoun. It's never come up for me. So that doesn't mean it isn't coming up for Beth. And that's just one little tiny example. I don't think the bathroom issue would have been so important to me um, as it is because of Beth. Um, but I've had to educate myself about that. What is going on when we, you know what, when we went to a few years ago, we went to, um, I think it was a play up at Bard when Beck was at Bard and we went into the theater and Beck said, I have to go to the bathroom. And I was like, okay. And we're at Bard, you know, progressive liberal bastion. And Beck said, I can't, I can't go to this bathroom and have to find the, what was it Beck? The unisex bathroom? What is it called? Yeah. There's a, there's the gender inclusive room. Yeah. Gender. See? Gender inclusive. <laughs> so I was waiting there in the lobby. Like, where, well, I don't know where's a gender inclusive bathroom. What difference does it make? You know, it's a bathroom. No, nope. but it was really important to him. And so after that, I started to get much more aware of how important it is to be able to go to a gender inclusive bathroom. If there's going to be all of this, you know, drama and screaming around for people who are, who are gender conforming around who's in their bathroom. Do you know what I'm saying? But I, I, because of, I started to get aware of that, that there was this frenzy going on, but also on the other side of it, how much, how much a trans kid or a gender fluid kid or a person would want to be in the safer gender inclusive bathroom. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely yeah. makes sense. So it's um, just like a little thing like that. It wasn't yeah. it's just a little thing like that. So it's that it's just sort of, okay, I don't understand it because I haven't lived it, but my child is or my friend is or my whoever is. So I just need to open up my mind and hear from them and shut up, basically. <laughs> just hear what it is and then conform myself because I don't have a clue what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really important point. I mean, there's, I think so many of us in whatever lanes we're in, and whatever activism lanes we're in could benefit from shutting up when we don't understand something or saying or right. asking, I don't understand this. And first, if you are close to someone who's willing to educate you and to share their knowledge with you, fantastic. But if not, Google, you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, right. Go exactly. to Google and ask Google a question. I mean, I've had people say, well, what can I do to, to, to fight against anti-racism? And I say to them, I, I'm not being flippant or glib, but literally <laughs> you can Google that because there are people who have been on <laughs> people like Beck, people who have been writing about these issues, about racism, about transphobia yeah. on Tumblr, and they have literal guides about what you can do to help. So I think that yes. shutting up and listening is really probably some of the best advice that I've heard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And just open up and think, okay, can you, I mean, I have a lot of empathy, but even for people who just ask yourself, do you have a, do you have even an inch of empathy? Do you have a, an ounce of empathy? Is there anything that you could find in there in yourself that could be of, could be empathetic to somebody else just for one second? Do you know, right. it opens up so 
much to put yourself in the other person's shoes and to try, even if you can't understand it intellectually, even if right. you think you understand, even if you think that you've read every book written about, you know, uh, racial episodes, racist episodes, or, you know, the women's movement, or I've read about this, I've read about that. I know everything, you know, no, actually you don't. If you haven't lived one day in that person's shoes, you don't know everything. Right. You don't. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's that. So as a parent, it's the same thing as anything else, but with a parent, it's, it's really important because I know Beck can tell when I'm really listening and I'm really present and I'm really trying to understand it or I get it. And if I'm just sort of still in the, in the fuzzy place, in the, I don't right. mean loving fuzzy, I mean in the not understanding place. The sunken place as we black folks like to call it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, I think <laughs> yeah. that's all of the questions that we have um, if, if there's anything else that you two want to say, I mean, this has been such an amazing interview and I'd like to thank you literally from the bottom of my heart for being so on our show. Because oh, absolutely. I think, I think this is going to help our listeners. I think our listeners are going to be so excited <laughs> to hear this episode. Oh, good. Um, Great. yeah. So again, thank you so much. Um, if you have any closing words, we'd love to hear them. Otherwise, you know, we don't want to take up too much more of your time. That's already been no about over an hour. Well, Beck, what do you have to say? Because I, I just I just made a whole thing about shutting up and listening. So that's what I'm going to yeah. do. Do you have any? <laughs> why don't you say I mean, something? Yeah, I mean, I think it's also important. Like, I mean, it, I think, you know, and I, I, I don't want to, you know, end with like putting the burden then of, you know, self-identifying like on back on the trans people. But like, I will say that like a lot of a lot of good education and like can come from just like is as hard as it is like as a trans person to like have paid, you know, to like know yourself and know your identity and like not want to like wait around for someone to kind of like understand because you're like, okay, this is like, I'm living it like right now. Like you don't need, there's no reason for me right now to be waiting for you to understand because I'm living it and I need, you know, support now. I'm like, that's, I completely, you know, that is very, very true. But like, you know, one of the things, one of the things that was probably most beneficial for me, it was like also learning to like shut up and listen and like be like, okay, like I'm trans, but I'm also like, I, I'm not a parent. I have no idea what it's like to not be trans and hear, you know, somebody be like, I want to start hormone therapy, like, and actually have like a parental claim over the person and like have like a kind of, you know, um, or, you know, anything like that. It's just like, it, it, you know, I've, I've had a lot of friends that were, you know, like, okay, I support you, but like, I don't, you need to, I need to, I need to hear more about why you know, gender neutral pronouns are important to you. Like, you know, I understand, you know, or I have other friends being like, okay, like I didn't, I thought you did not identify as a guy specifically. Like what, what about that identity is something that is, you know, true. And like, as hard as it is to sometimes answer those questions, even just like being able to sit down with a person and be like, honestly, like, I don't know, because just as you don't know, you know, why you identify as X, Y, Z, I don't know why I identify this way. So just kind of like, you know, creating the space for somebody to not know is like very, very beneficial as hard as it can be. And as like frustrating as it, not, not the mom is frustrating. Mom is not, I'm just saying in general. Um, no, but, like, you I've know, been as, frustrating. Like, <laughs> I, I have, for sure. So have I. I know I I'm have. I'm sorry, I have too. <laughs> but, you know, just, um, but, you know, just like, you know, just creating that space for um, the education to happen. Um, yeah. Because as, as it should not be on the burden of marginalized communities to educate other people, and that could be said for, you know, gay people, for people of color, you know, the, the, the education, you know, the burden of educating should, abs- should not be on 
those people. But at the same time, like a huge amount of education can come if you are part of a community that is more, you know, that is discriminated against and somebody's asking questions, you, ha- you know, you have the ability to kind of sit and be like, I can have this conversation as vulnerable and, you know, as it might be. It just creates a lot of space for really, really good conversation and like changes a lot of minds. Um, I've changed, you know, I've, a lot of people I've had open conversations with about trans people, um, about, I've tried to have open conversations about white privilege. That's a little harder, but I've tried. Um, but, you know, just kind of like these conversations, just like, you know, because I know that I, I personally am in a space where I can sit down and like kind of like I know that I'm trans. I know that I'm a guy. I feel the certain way. Um, I have the support and I have tons of all these people also supporting me so I can sit down right now and have this conversation with somebody who does not understand. You're just my favorite, Beckett. <laughs> <laughs> come out and say it yeah <laughs> you both have been just amazing this has been well, Allie already um, knows she's my been favorite wonderful. But like this is the first time I've gotten a chance to talk to Beckett and it's just been this has been really wonderful I, I honestly cannot thank you enough I think oh, this absolutely. is going to be super helpful but for Imani, our listeners you have to come back to New York because I am Beckett Okay. I, absolutely yeah. the next time I, I'd come about once a year yeah. I haven't been this you, year because I did are something you, else but are you in San Francisco I, where are you I'm in Oakland. Yeah, yeah. So you're if you're also, ever in the okay. Bay. I might I might be visiting in December or January. Oh, oh can I crash? Please. Yeah. Can I crash? Yeah. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That's I like, would love okay, to hang yeah. out. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I guess we're gonna wrap this up again. I really I feel like I'm gushing, but really this has been amazing and, and thank you I'm so, so much. I'm so glad. From thank both you. Of you. No thank problem. you both. Thank you, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. That's it for us. You can find us on Twitter at Angry Black Lady and at Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. And don't forget at Rewire underscore news. And please be sure to share your thoughts with us or pepper us with questions using the hashtag Team Legal. And if you're not on Twitter and you have a question, get a Twitter account and then ask us a question. We also have a Facebook group, which you can join by searching Boom Lawyered on Facebook. Lawyered is created and hosted by Imani Gandhi and Jessica Mason Piclo. The show is produced by Nora Hurley. Our executive producer is Mark Folletti, and Rewire's editor in chief is Jody Jacobson. <laughs> <laughs>